Hello everyone, welcome to the Redmen TV, it is the Around the League show. I'm your host for today, Ross Chandley, joined today by Ben Kelly, Ewan Burns. And for the first time, Newcastle fan Kendall Roan. Kendall, thank you very much for joining us and giving up your time. Um, we've plenty to get up to today. Um, going to talk obviously a bit of Newcastle, their pre-season, how they're getting on, if they still hate Steve Bruce or not. Manchester United, one of the few clubs that have actually been spending money this summer. Um, but we're going to start, um, Ben, I'll start with you actually. Hello. Um Harry Kane's not turned up for work this morning. No. Massive um, story. It, is it? Huge. Is, well, is it huge? I mean, it, I, well, I think it is actually because I wouldn't I wouldn't have um, guessed that he would go down this route. He doesn't he didn't never struck me as that type of guy. Never like you know, he, you know, he can be a bit of a shit out sometimes on the pitch, but like he's always come across very placid, very respectful off the pitch to me. Um, you know, in interviews and stuff and obviously you know, I assume that he had a good relationship with Tottenham. He was respectfully, I felt like he was asking to leave, you know, and whether or not the club are choosing to honour that, I don't know at the moment. But like, I always thought he would try and do things, you know, by the book and to just randomly not show up for train on your first day back seems a little bit of a zero to 60 move. Um, so I guess that basically it means that, you know, maybe things aren't going so well behind the scenes. Yeah, and you and there was mixed reports this morning. First of all, it was like oh, he's not turned up, and then it was like, well, he's supposed to have a COVID test, and he goes back in tomorrow. I think Fabrizio Romano's come out and said it's not, it's not that he just he just hasn't turned up. Hey, like Ben said it's it's quite surprising on, on his side. It's he had a gentleman's agreement, you know, whatever that means in this in, in this day and age, especially with Daniel Levy. Um, I don't want to paint him in a bad light, but he's not the easiest person to kind of deal with. Um, so. Can you see where he's coming from and why he's had to take this route? We've seen it before. You know, Phil Coutinho did it, did it with us. Other players will do it. Um, but do you think Harry Kane's right to kind of flex his muscles in, in this case? Um, yeah, I, I get what he's doing to an extent, but I, I think I will paint Daniel Levy in a bad light um, because he's based on what everyone who's ever dealt with him has said about him. He is the most stubborn man in football. And I remember Carrick saying when he left Tottenham to join United he said you know talking to Daniel Levy you may as well be talking to a brick wall because he just does not sort of he very much acts in his own interests and he you know gen the idea of a gentleman's agreement with Daniel Levy sounds almost laughable so I think that might be why Harry Kane has done what he's done but then equally with someone like that is it actually going to do anything you know Daniel Levy seems like he would just dig his heels in so it's I, I don't think that's going to be resolved particularly quickly regardless of what he's done today no, I'm not sure. Take on it, Kendall. I'm, I'm particularly the, the timing as well. You know, we were having a, a brief discussion before the show started. Of you know, there's 11 days till the season starts. If you're a you're a Tottenham fan, I'm sure we'll get a Spurs fan on in the coming weeks. It's it's not ideal preparation going into a new season. Like I was quite surprised last week when Son signed a new contract because I thought, well, maybe maybe he's, they've convinced him that Kane's going to stay or if Kane's going to go, he'll be the main man. They're going to you know support the team and, and bring in some new players. But if you you kind of Tottenham. As a fan, you know you've left it a bit late to kind of replace and get new players in. You don't want loads of teams knowing that you've got loads of money or the Harry Kane money, as it probably will be, to do transfer negotiations. But also they need the money because they spent loads of money on a new stadium and there's been a pandemic. Yeah, hundred percent. And obviously with the um, integration of the new manager, obviously they've Brian Keel as well from La Liga Romero that they're trying to get. It's all a little bit pushing it late considering if they're going to lose their biggest asset um this close to the start of the season 
it's quite worrying, especially when they're going to want to come into this new season, you know, with a new outlook. As I say, they've got the new manager. They have, they are in the market for a couple of new signings. Um, so they want to make an impact and this is going to be the wrong type of impact because, as you say, Son's just signed a new contract. So I think probably Tottenham fans have thought, you know, maybe Kane was going to stay because Son wouldn't have signed a contract otherwise. Other, looks like he's got no ambition. Um, but now we're seeing a completely different story. The Grealish news has come out in the last few days. The Now Kane. So I really don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't look good for them because it leaves them what which other strikers right now are in the market other than really Haaland, but I wouldn't really say he's like a Kane-esque player anyway. Um, so, yeah, they're leaving it very, very late and they don't really have the backup because they no longer have the likes of Bale, who's gone back. Um, so, yeah, I think they're struggling. It looks like they'll probably be relying on the likes of Deli Ali or, you know, Lucas Mora for the rest of the... Well, the beginning of the season, if that. Yeah, not bad players either. Ben, that's an interesting point, actually, that I hadn't kind of thought about. You know, it, I meant timings before when I, was, when I was talking about, you know, kind of getting replacements in, but Kendall's right, you know, who out there, you know, especially to kind of match Harry Kane and what he's done, and, you know, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, but his, his stats don't lie. He's one of the most prolific strikers in, in the league and has been for quite quite a few years. But, like, we've seen before when we've lost Suarez, we've lost Torres, and we, we, we end up placing, replacing Suarez with Ricky Lambert, do you know what I mean? Spurs can find themselves easy going down that route, as, as Kendall's saying. Like, who who do you go and get? Who wants to go and do business? Apart from, I think I've seen the link with Danny Ings. Um, apart from that, you know, you, you're kind of clutching at straws to kind of get. So you can see if, if you know, Daniel Levy's changed his mind in, in the past 12 months because he might have said to Harry Kane, we well, you can go. But things have changed that drastically. The, the, the market's completely changed. So he, that's why he might be, you know, sticking to his guns. I think Kane's got three years left on his contract. So he's within his rights to go. Well, nothing's on nothing's on paper, which is Harry Kane's yeah. fault, I suppose. Um, uh, yeah, it is. I was just going to say exactly that. That's, I suppose, the benefit. That's the whole point of a contract. And obviously, it doesn't help necessarily that, um, you know, Daniel Levy is so stingy with his money. I think, you know, he's not the type of... He's not even the type of owner, really, to take many risks with the transatiles that he's buying. You'd think, you know, based on, based on the seasons before last, if Nuno had moved to Tottenham last season, you'd be thinking that perhaps the answer here would be Raul Jimenez and that would always be nailed on. But as we spoke to Matt last week and, you know, with, with um, obviously the Wolves fan, and he was saying, you know, it, it's so hard to see anybody wanting to take a punt on Raul Jimenez right now because why would they, you know, and, and one of the last clubs that would do it would be Tottenham because of the way that they like to spend their money. They don't take many gambles. If you ask me, you know, Hoiberg, perfect example last season of a really good, solid Tottenham transfer for me. Just that type of player that they need comes from a Premier League proven club. He's a good player. He's an international. Um, you know, he was a Jose Mourinho player at the time. That all made sense. And Tottenham are very, very good at doing that. Um, you know, Gareth, even Gareth Bale, you know, even though he struggled at Real Madrid, he was one that was going to please the fans. You know, he was he was a crowd pleaser in that sense. And that's why I think that made sense. For me, Raul Jimenez would be a really good option for them if he hadn't had the majority of the season out. So maybe, you know, as we look to get to January, if Kane does go or, you know, it's hard to see Kane moving in January or maybe you know, as we go on towards next summer, if Jimenez can get himself up to speed and get have a, good, have a good season for Wolves, I think he will be moving next summer. But I think it's for shame. I think it's a shame for Tottenham and it's a shame for him because I think that would be a really good and easy to, to do move in a way because, you know, he'd have probably been pushing for a move this summer um, himself had he not been injured. 
So now it's about, yeah, Kendall's right. How do you go out and fight? Who's who's kind of in that kind of category where they are quality? Go on. Divika Rigi? Hmm. Yeah, not, quite sure. not, not quite Harry sure. He's quality, him, is he? But he's an available um, striker. Yeah. Harry Kane. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's scored in the Champions League final and Harry Kane hasn't. So that all makes sense. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, written. But yeah, so it's about finding a player in that category who is maybe at a club where, you know, uh, that have players that are more attainable, like, you know, a smaller club, but also has proven that they are ready to make that move up. And there's not many of them around at the moment. Yeah, it's a tough. Um, Ewan, I don't want to throw my toys out the pram, but I am going to for a, for a couple of seconds. If if Man City on the other side do manage to get Harry Kane, as Kendall says, you know, Jack Grealish stuff has popped over the weekend, what's the point? There's, there, it feels like we're all sort of talk, thinking about our clubs towards anyone towards the top of the table. We're all thinking about transfers and everything, and we're sort of fighting for who can be second if they are to get Kane and Grealish because both those players, Kane particularly, absolutely adds something else and improves that squad. And it's a squad that very comfortably won the Premier League last year. And yes, it's worth saying that Liverpool weren't the Liverpool of the year before, and they potentially could be this time. Um, you know, Liverpool, as you lot know, are in a weird position where we don't know really what Liverpool will be like. They might suddenly be really, really good again, or it might take a bit of time. But um, it does feel like they, it's, it's theirs to lose in more of a way than it ever has been if they get Kane and Grealish. And that, is it's quite deflating heading into a season thinking, well, you know, for United, we've just bought two quality players that genuinely improve the squad and we could just come second again. And that's that. Yeah. I, I, Kendall, I'm going to put my toys back in the pram because obviously Liverpool are a club that has got lots of money and are willing to spend. And then I realised that we had a Newcastle fan on the show. So I'm going to put the toys safely back in my pram. But it, yeah, it, it must... It, thanks for that. Sorry. It, 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 must, it, must, it must stick in you. And, and again, like I said, the, product, the, the market's changed. So like those those fine margins of what you gamble on a play and what you can go and spend, you kind of think it's going to be tough for everybody and everyone's going to be in the same boat. And we'll, we'll, we'll go on to Newcastle shortly. But like even for yourself, from a, you know, from a Newcastle fan's perspective... Does it does it frustrate you the fact that you know because COVID's hit and you think everyone's going to have tight purses that a team could potentially go out and just blow up two hundred million pounds on two players? I think it doesn't necessarily frustrate me because I think I've just kind of accepted that we're just not at that level now. Like we're we're just not going to be, and I think a lot of clubs have just got to understand that now. Even despite the fact it's not fair, it's just that's just the way it is, and that's how it's going to be. Other leagues have been the same for a long time, you know. Uh, league aren't in France and the Liga because a lot of clubs are in debt. Like it's just been the same thing, um, and we're at kind of at a point now where you know Man City. It's going to be like. We are the real Farmers League because Man City are just going to win everything every year. Um, but it just it's less frustrating and just more like annoying at the fact that Newcastle in itself, I am speaking from my point of view. I know other clubs will probably have different views, but we are roughly around about the 10th richest club in the league, but we don't actually spend like the 10th richest club in the league. We're still the only... Um, team in the league currently with Chelsea obviously signing Bettinelli that we haven't made a, a senior signing in this window yet the only club in the league to do that at the minute so yeah we don't spend like that even though we probably could spend more than we do um but yeah it's just it's just looking really really peak for everybody Man United probably thought they had a really decent window um which they have in terms of other clubs they've had a really really good window um but yeah now if the Kane news comes off. I honestly thought 
that it would be either Kane or Grealish, not both. And I could like kind of accept if it was One Kane or Grealish, not Kane and Grealish. Yeah. yeah, but so now it's both of them. So yeah, it, you know, COVID hit everyone differently, clearly, because uh, other clubs can rock 200 million on their uh, players. You need to get like, actually to sell know, more uh, giant mugs and giant calculators and, and socks. And Sports Direct, go on, Ben. I, I, I think... don't even think a giant Sports Direct mug could save us right now. <laughs> I on, think ben. the um, I think the Grealish move is pushing the Kane move further along. If anything, I think I think Harry Kane. Think he's shitting uh, himself. No, no, no. I think it's more along the lines of maybe it's just because England happens to have a good tournament and whatever. I th- they obviously they will obviously know each other very well, and, and Kane will know how how good of a player Jack Grealish is. And I think he'll want to go and do that under Pep Guardiola. I think the other thing is, it's. It, I think eventually now Harry Kane is doing the thing that we've all said he's going to do for years. He's realised that you know he's getting towards the back end of his career. Um, I say he's getting towards. He is. He is just about getting towards. He's got a good few years left. He's got one big contract in him at Manchester City. Um, you know whether that be a four or five year contract, doesn't he? So by the time he gets to three years, you know you look at renegotiations and then you know it's going to be smaller contracts. So he's got one big contract at Manchester City, given his age, to go and play with Raheem Sterling, Jack Grealish, um, other players like Riyad Mahrez. Um, you know some of the best defenders in the world in that back back line, and arguably the best coach in the world. Um, and he wants to go and do that because he's had his, Tottenham have had chances to back him up properly with the investment and they haven't really done that. They shouldn't have got rid of Mauricio Pochettino. I know things weren't great at the time, but and hindsight might be a great thing. But did anyone, did anybody of us really think at the time that Jose Mourinho for Tottenham was the right answer on the back of sacking Mauricio Pochettino? I don't think anybody really did. That was a stupid way to go. They failed him time and time again. And I've got no, I've got, I've got no issues with him. Really wanting to move to Manchester City. If I take if I take my Liverpool perspective off and what that means for the club, um, what that means for the league or, or whatever, as a player and from a player's perspective, right now if you've got the opportunity and you know that you know with your injury problems, he might he, he could stay at Tottenham and have another injury plague season, and and that might cause a problem for him next summer or you know it it might it might change things. Like he's got the opportunity now. We know City wants him, and he's got the opportunity to go and do it. I, like I just, I just think that he, I think fair play to him. Tottenham have had their chance, and he's not going to succeed there. So it's going to be difficult for everybody else if they do it. But when City have got the money to spend and he wants to go, you can't really argue. Ben, do you think there's an element of he's not turned up to train today because, as Kendall said, like I think most of us were the same and thought it's one or the other. <clears throat> Excuse me, not not both. So do you think Harry Kane's gone? Well, actually, if I if I force me on, I can I can kind of get in there first. Otherwise, he'll miss that boat that you're talking about. Maybe, maybe. And look, this is the thing. Like we've joked about, we've joked about it on here before. I don't know now. We don't know where we stand with FFP. So, like, can City just afford to buy these players? Is that is that what we're saying? Like, like, and if yes, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Because they literally do have unlimited money. Pep Guardiola stands in front of press conferences. He stands in interviews at the end of last season, going, "We can't afford to replace Aguero." Well, you probably can. Um, and here we are. They're about to spend, you know, 100 million on Jack Grealish, 150 million pounds on Kane. You know, somebody was asking in our group chat before. You know, is I think somebody said, didn't they? Uh, does anybody else think that it's not a very good way to spend 250 million? And to be honest, I'm like, I couldn't think of many better ways to spend 250 million. You're signing one of the most creative and exciting young talents in English football, and you're signing another really established world class centre forward. It doesn't get much better than that. I didn't think that Man City could get much better, but here we are. 
Yeah, and you're getting two plays for your homegrown quota as well, so it ticks a few boxes for Manchester mm-hmm. City. Uh, we'll leave that chat there. We'll see how it develops, and uh, we'll work on getting a um, Tottenham fan in the coming weeks. Um, I'm not sure where to start with Newcastle, to be honest. I was going to ask about pre-season, and now I'm debating whether to ask about takeovers and unlimited funds. So I, I think I think I'll go with unlimited funds and, and takeovers, and Mike Ashley making shit up on a season basis so he can drive up t- ticket sales, because that's what it feels like from the outside. Is that what's going on? That's what it seems like to us, I think. we Look, he's been took to court before by Kevin Keegan for lying and, he, you know, he got pulled up for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was doing that. Um, obviously, you have to give away 10,000 season tickets. Obviously, not last season, the season before, because no one wanted them. Um, so last season was obviously a bit of a different situation. But, yeah, this season he hasn't even, to be fair, hasn't done anything to, you know, make anything pretend that anything's going to be good this year he hasn't said a thing he hasn't done any random interviews that he does once a year where he comes out before the season he says you know this is our year we're going to spend money we're going to do this he hasn't even done that this year I think they were waiting for obviously arbitration in court and that's been delayed now so yeah just don't know where we go from here really there was a little survey done a couple of days ago where it was like the surveyed fans of how optimistic they were looking into the season um, and we were right at the bottom of the list. I think that's probably pretty much every year, to be honest. Apart from maybe under Rafa, it was maybe a bit better. But yeah, uh, it's not looking good once again. I was literally on Sky Sports a year ago, giving this exact same speech. Like nothing's changed in that year whatsoever. Nothing. Do you think he's riding on um, the emotion of fans and being back back inside the stadium? Because like again, we were talking before, and like I, I can't wait to get back inside. And that's what's keeping me going. Transfer stuff doesn't really bother me to to, to a point. But I think he's that type of person that will go, you'll be distracted, and then it'll, therefore it will distract from transfer. I think there's a bit of that in his in his thoughts. I think that's been the case over a lot of his tenure at Newcastle. I think he knows that Newcastle fans. I think there's a, a very a lot of similarity between Liverpool fans and Newcastle fans in a sense of, despite the fact we're a one club city, and obviously you guys aren't really. We are. Um, it's all about the football. Like the football is. Well, <laughs> yes, technically, yeah, you know, yeah. but yes, you might be. Um, yeah, now that rafa has gone and, you know, ma- managed them. So, um, <laughs> oh, okay. I'll get your thoughts yeah, on that in I a think second, he's, actually. Like, rode on that quite a lot. <laughs> he's rode on that quite a lot of his career because, well, I say career, um, because he knows that Newcastle fans, everyone lives to go to the football on the weekend. If we win, the city's buzzing for, the, you know, three days. If we lose, everyone feels it. And he's ridden on that a, a lot. He's used that to his advantage, knowing that we're going to go regardless. Um, but I think, to be honest, I've never seen anybody so disengaged with the club. I know fans who have had season tickets for 40, 50 years, who have given them up finally this season. Um, we can't, I can't personally, I've had one since 2006, but we're on a long-term price freeze at the moment, so we can't. Um, I mean, we could technically not go, but what's the point? You paid, you paid your money, you take, you take your choice. You know, just, just follow on from that, that point that, that Kendall was making there and the fact that, you know, it must it must be frustrating. Like we kind of see it, and we're kind of on the outside. We're on the periphery. We, we you know we can understand Newcastle fans to 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 a certain point. But also, it's I find it boring. Like I find like I, I joked about it before when I was asking the question of you know, new season comes. Mike Ashley talks about you know Amanda Staveley and someone else coming coming to drive by the club. The fans get excited, then they get linked with Mbappe. They sell loads of season tickets. It all, all kind of dies down. I I. This is probably a slight on me, but I, I, you think not having fans in stadiums and, and making 
you know, not making a loss, but losing out on so much revenue from fans not being in stadiums might change the thoughts of some of these owners, you know, in, in particular in this case, it, it might actually of not not going out to spend money for the sake of it, but you know, there's there's there's, there's a gap there. There's you know, there's a good chance that likes of yourselves that are spending a bit of money. Obviously, Manchester City, loads of clubs can't offend, afford to spend money. Whereas you think Newcastle and the way that they've got about their business, they they could do. So they can they could take a march on other teams that are around them in the league. Yeah, I think there, there's been ample opportunities where Mike Ashley could have changed his ways, and it's not happened. And I think we have. I mean, I've reached the point in my head, so I imagine that Newcastle fans have reached it a long time ago of realising that that will not change and that that's just the way it will be while he owns the club. It's interesting what Kendall said about being on Sky a year ago, saying the exact same thing, because from the outside looking in, I feel like Newcastle have had the same season for about four years now. And every year, it's that there's a little patch where you think, oh, they, they might be sort of a bit better this year. Then it dies off and you think they're going to go down. And then it gets to the end of the season, the sort of 15th, 16th, and you're like, oh, right, they're still here. And then they don't sign anyone. And the exact same season just happens again. And, you know, that that is obviously what leads into the survey that Kendall mentioned, because it, that would just be so deflating, just feeling like there's nothing new happening each year. It's not going to change. And you're not going to climb up that table at all. You're just, you're just sort of playing to exist, essentially. Yeah. Ben, on the, on the flip side... Is there a case where things aren't that bad at Newcastle because they had an up, an, oh, well, I say, an up, yeah, an up, I've got an upturn, I go for upturn, informed towards the back end of the season because they started to get the likes of Callum Wilson back and St. Maximum was coming back from injuries. They've both been out for a long time. I think Steve Bruce was quick to say, like, you know, similar to us, like we had we had a shocking season. We lost lost half our players. Newcastle, you obviously lose your strikers, obviously contribute towards goal. That's obvious. But to get them back and then kind of see that, plus it was a bit of a terrible season for everyone anyway. Are they, could they be in a slightly better position without signing anybody? Um, I don't know because I think once you have the fans back in the ground, I think Newcastle are one of the few teams in the league where that actually might not be a good thing for like Ashley and the team this season because all that's going to happen is that a year of bent, you know, pent up frustration is going to enter that football ground. There's no signings and nothing's changed, and they're coming out of like a horrible season where they've been forced to watch this at home. You know, they go 1-0 down on the opening day of the season. I don't know who they're playing, but they go 1-0 down early on on the opening day of the season. That's just not going to, that's not going to go down well at all. Um, Kendall, my question would be, you know, in the end, I know Ross was saying before about the, um, the, the way that, obviously, there's always reports that there's a takeover happening and, and perhaps, you know, that it's, it is to do with driving up ticket sales. But that did feel quite different last summer. Like, that, that, did, that did feel as if it was quite far along. Like, it, it seemed a lot more real than usual. Like, what, how close was that? Do you, do you know? Like, what, what sort of, how did it sort of break down? What happened? Sorry if I drop out midway through this conversation again. But, um, yeah, it was pretty far along. It just got to the point where the Premier League took so long. A decision that usually takes six weeks on average took nearly 21 weeks um and it in the end basically the pif who were the public investment fund of saudi arabia who were going to be part stakeholders in the deal and um, they just eventually pulled out so i think a lot of people think that the premier league rejected it but they didn't outright reject it they just took so long um to decide what was happening even though despite you know the parties saying that the evidence was supplied um it just they just ended up pulling out of the the deal that part um obviously i think they're still interested but whether or not they're going to go ahead it is a different story because the whole problem 
this is on Premier League's behalf, was that they didn't know who the main stakeholders were going to be. They had issues because they thought that the state of Saudi Arabia in general were going to be a stakeholder, which wasn't true. It was just a branch of, you know, the kind of financial sector of the state of Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, it was all a bit of a mix of things. And obviously, hence why Mike Ashley's taken them to court, the Premier League to court right now, because he believes there was some influence elsewhere um, and that, you know, the wrong decisions were made. So that's not going to be a, a quick fix. So that's not going to be done before the season starts. That might not even be finished this season at all. It could take years. It could take months. We just don't know. Um, and it's already been delayed twice. So, yeah, we just don't know what's going to happen. I, I just can't, unless another party comes in, which I can't even see anybody doing it at this current time because of what's going on with, you know, the previous Amanda Staveley, the Rubin brothers, things like that. I just can't, I just don't think we're going to be taken over anytime soon, at least not for the next two years. Is that frustrating when you see the likes of various owners around around Europe, I'll, I'll go with, you know, and, and what they do and, you know, maybe their morals, even even like likes of Wigan, you know, Ben, I'll tell you, like their, their struggles and, you know, what they go through to kind of jump through hoops to get ownership and they're, they're quite not legit. Whereas it seems like outside influences or the, the Premier League being picky, is it, do you think, do you think there's, do you think there's, a case there where they just want, don't want Newcastle to be one of those clubs? I think there's an element of the they don't want an outside club kind of... They don't want a Leicester, another Leicester, basically. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people will probably include Leicester and, you know, the big six mm-hmm. now and drop maybe, I don't know, Tottenham or Arsenal out. Um, they don't want another Leicester. They don't want, you know, someone upsetting the apple cart. Um, that might not be true necessarily, but that's the way things have gone, that's how we feel. Like, that's just how everyone feels at this moment. Um, whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. You know, my, everyone wanted us to be human rights experts when this whole thing happened and they were telling us about what the state of Saudi Arabia had done. And, like, I'm not... I'm totally, like, against anything that they've done wrong. I don't justify it at all. But for us to, as Newcastle fans, to be made to be, like, these human rights experts and you should be against this and you should be against that, when, you know, the likes of... Similar similar owners to Man City, for example, PSG, who are, I think they're Qatari owners, um, think clubs like that, and we were the ones who, you know, oh, you can't do this because of human rights issues or whatever. Like, it, it just seemed unfair. There was a lot of expectation put on us that shouldn't have been put on us, just as general football fans. Um, you know, it, a lot of owners probably, rich people just aren't, they're never like, Samaritans, let's be honest. I, They're I mean, all Bond that's villains, aren't they? Con, that's maybe a generalisation, but yeah, <laughs> that's Samaritans. So I don't know why we had to be the ones that were made an example of, but um, yeah, that's the way it is now. So we've just got to accept that it's Ashley probably this season at least, um, probably beyond that, which is great. Um, Kendall, um, let's talk about the happy things, maybe um, the football pre-season. How's that going? Um, I know you're at a game. Was it last week, the week before? How's, did you win? Yeah, well, yeah, Doncaster, we did actually. Um, three, it was three two, so it wasn't a you know a convincing win. Um, we even had like five at the back against Doncaster. Woo, that looked really good for us, didn't it? Um, but yeah, pre-season, it is what it is. We don't. I love like clubs, so like obviously, I don't know if you can see in the background, but I follow Atletico Madrid as well. Um, I have done since two thousand and four. But they were playing the likes of Wolfsburg, you know, RB Salzburg, like everyone. We playing like York, 
like no disrespect to York at all, but it's just completely different like levels of pre-season. Um, and it doesn't really show us much because we haven't got any signings, new signings um, to integrate. Callum Wilson's out again with a knock. We don't know how long that's going to be. St. Maximin's out with a mysterious illness um, that nobody knows anything about. So, you know, we're relying on Dwight Gale, who for some reason we've just given another contract to, um, you know, for as our forward. Um, Joel Linton, who I really hope does better this season. I really, you know, now he's got number seven, um, 20 goals. I'm, I'm saying 20 Take goals, Joel Linton, this season. Okay. Honestly, I am. <laughs> I don't know if that's because I've got nothing else to focus on this season. I'm just hoping Joel Linton does something. We'll, uh, we'll um, make sure we clip that yeah, up. other than that, it's just been, you know, usual. Okay. Um... <laughs> I know this is your first time on this podcast, but if you could not mention Dwight Gale again, that that would be brilliant because it gives me nightmares. Um, <laughs> Ewan, um, from outside perspective, you know we mentioned before the forwards that they've got. Um, obviously, Ken just mentioned that half of them are now injured or have a mysterious illness slash drop the headband. Um, what do you think Newcastle need going into this new season? Um, I think forwards what they need Joel Linton to be what he was meant to be. I mean, they, they they potentially don't need another new player there to directly replace him. They're, you know, it, everything he did before he joined Newcastle suggests that there is a very good player here. Forty million was still a bit mad, even at the time. But like, not, even not knowing what we know now about him, but he looked like a really good player beforehand. And there was some little glimpses towards the, the end of last season. Um, so if, if if he was able to pick up, that could be huge for them. But so Maxman is is the big one, isn't he? He if 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 there's some sort of problem there, I don't know about this illness, but if there's some sort of problem there that he might want to leave or whatever, then that is that's a even more of a season derailer than than not signing anyone, because he was quite literally the spark in that team last season. Yeah, Ben, would you agree? I, I don't know, five five at the back against Doncaster is not. Is not encouraging pre-season. Um, I will caveat that with pre-season is all about fitness to try and make Kendall feel a bit better. But you know, there's um, in terms of aspiration and hope, and you know, being a bit more on the front foot, whether that's Newcastle's game or not, I, I don't know. But it doesn't doesn't fill you with confidence, does it? No, no. And and the problem that they're going to have is that you know, I know that say Maximam and his mystery illness, you know, but if he does stay and then you know, you've got Callum Wilson as well, who I know has an injury record, but they're two really good players. And, if, and it's a bit like the Harry Kane thing, I suppose. If you if you continue to lack that ambition, like Newcastle have done for many years, eventually those players are going to want to move on. So if if nothing else, you need to start buying players to, 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 to keep the other players happy. Because otherwise, you know, Callum Wilson on his day is a great striker and he is exactly what Newcastle need. But, you know, if somebody comes in for him next summer or even this summer, if, if, if there's a late move or whatever, at the moment, if I was Callum Wilson, I'd think, well, I, you know, I'd rather go and do that somewhere else where they're actually going to try and win things, not just like get to 12th and go, yeah, that's, this is fine. Yeah. Kendall, do you, do you agree? What, what do you think Newcastle need? You know, I was going to say new manager, but we'll come on to him in a second. Um, you know, in terms of your squad, squad depth, is it, is it key areas that, you know, or even players that you, you'd like to see at Newcastle? I'm going to be honest, we don't have any squad depth, in my opinion. Like, we, at all, we're kind of, in pre-season even, we were relying on academy players to fill up squad spaces. And the only one at the moment that isn't there right back now is Almiron. Um, so that's worrying to me. We don't have, you know... Uh, we have Dwight Gale as our second striker. Andy Carroll's gone now. 
not that he was you know had any game time but he's being released now um in my opinion i think we need a right back i think we need another center back because we just let lejeune go which in my opinion was a very odd move because to us as newcastle fans he's probably one of the better defenders we've got um he's gone now obviously we haven't signed joe willock so midfield is horrendous for us it's our weakest 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 part of the whole squad um I think we need probably need at least two centre midfielders. Um, we've only really got Hayden, and then we're relying on Longstaff. Like the Longstaff aren't great. Um, so honestly, five positions easily. Like we are actually desperate for. It's not even funny. Like it's really, really bad. Um, Dubravka's going to be out for the start of the season again. Cardalo's hospitalised with COVID at the moment. Um, so we're looking like we're relying on our third goalkeeper. Like, like this is what I mean. It's all really bad man management and bad ownership of a football club when you're you're in dire straits. I know you can't help injuries and things and COVID, but yeah. So the fact that we are relying on these young players is extremely concerning going into the season where you're looking at Man City signing Kane and Grealish, Aston Villa doing great business, and um, the likes of people who've come up from the Championship, Norwich doing you know doing some business, Brentford, Watford, all doing business, and we're not. And that is extremely concerning to me because I, it's just going to be another se- season of the same old, you know, at least last summer we signed Callum Wilson, you know, we signed Ryan Fraser, we signed um, <clears throat> Jeff Hendrick. Um, but, you know, at least we actually did some signings. But, yeah, this summer it's just looking a bit, it's looking dangerous. I've not teed this question up very well because I didn't know that was going to be your answer. But where do you think you'll finish this season? Yeah, easily, I, I think if everything stays the same as it is, and I know people are going to say, well, you finished 12th last season. Mm, we finished 12th because of Joe Willock, who we haven't signed again yet. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, I said the highest will finish in this current state is 16th. The highest, the very highest. Okay. But you'll be back in the stadium, so it'll be happy times. <laughs> um Right, what we're gonna yeah, do great. is um love to see that relegation yeah. battle again. <laughs> all right, it'll keep you alive and knock a couple more years off your life, but you'll be fine, don't worry. Um I was gonna talk about Manchester United, but I've got uh, you don't want to talk about my United do you, Kendall. So what I was gonna do is um we'll carry on the last five minutes of the show between the three of us because Kendall keeps dropping out and Tom's getting really annoyed in that room there. I can feel him getting angry. Um but Kendall, first of all, thank you, thank you very much. Um, and you can have two minutes centre stage to give yourself a plug where people can find you uh, on socials and on uh, YouTube. I know. Thank you for having me. So sorry about the delay. Sorry about dropping out. Um, but thank you for having me anyway. Hopefully I don't drop out currently. <laughs> Imagine I'm in the middle and it just drops out. Probably as well. Um, but yeah, if you want to catch me on, if you just type Kendall Rowan on YouTube, I am on YouTube, but mostly I am on the Football Terrace. Um just reached 200,000 subscribers, which is amazing. So there's big things to come from the football terrace over there. Um, we, me and three other Newcastle ladies have a How Are The Lasses podcast where we just talk about Newcastle. We haven't done anything for a good few weeks because there's nothing to talk about, as we've explained on this show. <laughs> there's nothing to talk about regarding Newcastle at the moment, um, unless you want depression. But, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, that was good. Right then, um, let's get stuck into the final topic for today, which is Manchester United. You and uh, you've been very patient and quiet there. Thank you very much. Um, spent some money, guilt money. <laughs> this <summer>. um, <laughs> that's what that's what I'm calling it. 
you, you, you tell me now if that's any different. What do you mean guilt money and as such? Well, the Super League, the protests, everyone kicking off. You know, there's there's, there's no argument. This, it said. was very much look. We'll we'll sign Varane if you stop invading our pitch, please. Yeah, <laughs> Sancho, nine million pounds. I would. I think I think there's an argument there to say they might not have spent that. We'll never know, obviously. But there's an argument to say maybe they are spending that money because of because of what happened. Yeah, I think the the the, the anger around money was more. Can you spend it right, please, rather than sort of the amount? Um, so. In theory, these two signings are the money being spent correctly because, you know, on paper it should be very good. You know, we'll have to wait and see whether it really is because we've been here before. But um, they're, they're certainly, it will have crossed the owner's mind that there is a section of the fan base that by signing these players, it will completely make them happy. And that's that's the end of any sort of protest in their head. That, obviously, that's not how it actually is like in Manchester. You know, people aren't, people aren't, you know, season ticket holders aren't fickle enough to think that now that we've signed these two players, that's the end of that. We got the point across, sort of thing. Yeah, um, and Ben, t- to be fair, they've spent it very well, haven't they? You know, two two amazing signings, Sancho again, is is a is a hell of a lot of money. Not a, not um, obviously not a position. I thought Manchester United would have gone for because obviously they've got they've got pace in the wings. Maybe you know we might, might see Martial leave before the end of the window, but for the price. You know, it's it's still an extremely good deal, isn't it? And again, you know, taking taking the quote for UK, which you keep banging on about because that's what's frustrating us at the minute from from buying anyone. But Man United have, you know, well, it did drag out a little bit, but it's not dragged out as much as, as other deals. Well, I mean, I, yes I and you, no. I mean, two two, two seasons. It, this is eighteen <laughs> months worth of yeah, yeah. bloody negotiations. Apparently, um, well, I think I think Martial's garbage to be honest. Uh, so I, I think you've got to move him on. Um, and I think Sancho, younger player, pacier, done very well in the Bundesliga. This makes sense. I don't know whether Martial will leave this summer, but I've just he's just never he's just never kicked on for me. Um, and obviously, you know, in a in a four two three one, um, you know, I think I think Sancho can play on either side. Obviously, you know, he struggled to get in the England team a little bit in the summer, but I think that'll come for him. Um, and obviously, you know, they've got players like Rashford as well, Daniel James, who's also very pacey, but also probably not really going to get a look in if they're trying to move him on. Um, and obviously, I think the big plus for them is that Cavani is going to stay for another season. So, you know, going into the season, they haven't got many issues. Obviously, one of the biggest issues is Paul Pogba and what's going to happen with him. Um, you know, I'm in the camp of if they can get somebody, if they can get the money back for him and then sign somebody even half as talented, I think they'll be in a much better position just because of the fanfare and the sort of the circus that comes with Paul Pogba. I can understand why you'd want to keep hold of him, but for every for everything else, the complications that he brings, I just don't think it's worth it for, you know, he, he has had injury problems. He has had, you know, other, other issues going on. He's never seen so, he's never looked quite settled for Man United. And if he wants to go, I don't think they should begrudge him that. Um, but yes, yeah, uh, the, the centre back thing is what I think is that's what been one of the positions that they've been missing. I think they need a good holding midfielder, like a Fabinho type player. But also the other thing was a centre back to partner Harry Maguire, um, and they've gone and done it. So you know they've now got a really good left back, one of the best in the league, and Luke Shaw. Wambasaka is only going to get better, and he's another good English right back that will sort of knock on the door of Gareth Southgate over the next eighteen months for me. And now they've got for me what is the missing piece of the puzzle in the back four. Um, the goal, there's still a big question over the goalkeeper. Um, you know, I think Dean Henderson will come good, but he's not quite there yet. I think De Gea's probably passed his best, but he's still a really good, experienced goalkeeper. So I think for another season, 
I don't think the goalkeeper will be as big of a priority. I think this, that might be a thing for them to sort out next summer. Um, but the Varane deal in particular, I think, is the one that impresses me most. For a question that was about Jaden Sancho, you just blitzed through the whole of the agenda. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Nailed it all. Yeah, fucking just needed, just needed a mic drop at the end of that. <laughs> Down. Um, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll move on to Rafa Varane then, um, Ewan, because I've, I've seen so many bad takes. But I think... I think it was Danny Mills, so shock horror, bad take, Danny Mills, oh, handshake God, emoji. Yeah. Um, hmm. He's coming from La Liga, he's never kind of done that before, blah, 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 it'll take time to kind of settle in. He's like, he's one of the world's best best centre-backs. Okay, there's there's an argument he's played next to Sergio Ramos for the past four, five, six, seven, eight seasons, and now he's with Harry Maguire. But that's what, what Ben's touching on there. That's what you need in, in that back line at Manchester United, like... I don't think Harry Maguire is as bad as people make out. I'm not sure it's a tactical thing. I'm not sure whether it's kind of what he's kind of partnered with because he shows glimpses of being really good. If he's got the right right partner next to him, this is what this this feels like of having someone who's, who's experienced, who's a leader, who won't shy out from high pressure situations. Will be able you know be able to take people by the scruff of the neck, telling them what to do. That, that's what my United have lacked for me in, in recent seasons. I'll, I'll, I'll put your manager in this in this boat as well. Is a real real leader. Um, you know, some people leave with the football, some people leave with the mouth, some people do both. I think Rafa Varane will, will go in there and, you know, raise the standard of that that group of lads and in particular that back line. Yeah, in terms of aiding Maguire, the, the, the main deficiency of Maguire's game is that he's not fast and he spent the whole of the last yeah. two seasons with Lindelof next to him, who is not fast. Whereas that is the main difference with Varane, which is... I don't think it was Danny Mills for this for this particular one, but there was someone else on, I imagine, Talksport saying that Varane's not very quick, which is a baffling thing to say because he just is. I mean, Jamie, he, Jamie O'Hara. Yes, Jamie O'Hara. That's He's it. always at that, it. <laughs> Clever Jamie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. like that. You, you don't need any football knowledge to know. You know, you can show someone who's never watched football before, and is this man quick? Oh yes, he looks quite quick, and then you know it. Um, so him alongside Maguire, it lets us. It lets us play further up the pitch with with more confidence because we we can get spun around with Maguire and Lindelof quite easily. Lindelof is a very good player and he should have his place in the squad and he will be the first port of call when one of those two is injured or needs a rest or whatever. But the other deficiency he's got is height, whereas Varane is even taller than Maguire. And our biggest problem last season was set pieces. We conceded the most, I don't have the stats, but the most ridiculous number of goals from set pieces. Every time we conceded a corner, it felt like we conceded a penalty for a little bit of the season because it was every time somehow somebody would score from a corner. And, you know, it's, it's never quite as simple as stick a big lad in there and it'll be fine now. But an extra six foot four person is helpful. <laughs> and um, apparently there, there there is a new set piece coach apparently as well, which I, I don't know what previous one was doing, if there was one, because it, it was a bit of a blind spot all year long. But that, that seems to be an area that they are seriously addressing because there's about that there's over 10 goals in the Premier League season that could have been avoided there and that's that's a lot of points and equally you know scoring goals from set pieces as well you got another another second yeah. in that sense as well um Ben there's going to be more pressure on Ollie I suppose isn't it this this season you can't go and spend I suppose the money's irrelevant in in some cases but also you can't get that quality or two quality of players in and not expect some sort of improvement. Now, I don't want to 
I'm not here to slag off Manchester United because that's that's not it. But I, in my mind, there's a, a perception of Manchester United are better than they are. Now, I know they finished above us in the league, but they were only five points ahead of us. They conceded more goals than we did last season, despite us changing centre-back partnerships twice, three, three, three times a week. I, I think on paper, you know, finishing second looks better than, than it was. I think there's still a lot for them to improve. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think there's massive pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this season. Um, and you know what? Like The fact is that they finished second. So, you know, right now they they are the second best team in the league. Like, you know what I mean? Like that that that's the league table doesn't lie. So okay, he's earned he's earned the contract, Solskjaer. Um I, I've not necessarily got the doubts about him that I did twelve, eighteen months ago. Um I think he is. I I I think he's shown signs of being a relatively decent manager. I still don't know whether or not he should be the guy, you know, right now. I feel like it, the, the man still feels like the Man United job might have come too soon for him, and if it does go pear shaped this season, he's got he's clearly got something about him. Um, but you know, is it is it would it could it end up being a case of him? You know, does he would could he have needed to go off and do a couple of little jobs first in this country perhaps before he was Man United? He's found himself in the job. It wasn't great at first. Their their away record in particular, I don't know why, is impeccable. Um, you know, they 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 get results all the time away from home, and that's something that you know is a, is a good foundation going into this season. Because if they can build and not concede as many at home, there were some stupid home losses towards the beginning of last season that ultimately cost them a title race probably um, so so you know I, I think he's earned the contract but now it's time to deliver he's still not won a trophy um, semi-finals he kind of got past that hoodoo last season but then lost a, a cup final on penalties to Villarreal who you know I know Villarreal are no slugs but Man United are a better team than them um, and they should have beaten them in the 90 minutes I thought so for me now he's been backed up with the money he's been backed up with the contract there's no, there's no excuses now for me for Man United. They've got, they've got to go and do things. And if they don't, and we're sitting last this time next year, and we're going, oh, well, they need this, this, and this again. They need another centre back. They need another full back. They need another centre midfielder. They need another striker, whatever. Then that for me isn't good enough because I think now there's a good enough squad for a good manager to be getting the best out of them and winning trophies. Particularly if Paul Pogba staying. I don't know whether he's going to or not. Um, but if he does, there's no, there's no, for me, there's no real reason that that group of players shouldn't be winning a trophy this year. Yeah, do you agree with that? You and you think there's obviously a for pressure on Oli, but also I think Ben's right. You know, you look at again on on paper the squad that Manchester United have got. You look at um, Luke Shaw's form over the past. I don't know what six six to twelve months. I think you know he's turned out to be one of the best left backs in the league. Certainly, certainly on form. Um, you know, but even even getting new players in, you know, Sancho coming in will will, will lift the players' confidence or you know healthy competitiveness within the squad. Obviously, going to lose Rashford for a little bit. I think he's having a shoulder injury. Oli signed that new deal. You know, there's there's lots to look forward to Manchester United. But like as Ben says, it all needs to be backed up with results and and performances and you know eventually trophies. Yeah, in in the past he's described the kind of project. He, he's he's described it as layers, and that sort of every every time he's building layers on the squad, and you know signing Varane and Sancho, players of that caliber, feels like along with what else is in the squad now, it feels like that should be the definitive layer to go and win something. Like I said, yeah, what what's horrible about football is that we're, we're having this conversation because a penalty shootout that was 11-10 was lost last year. <laughs> It'd be a completely different conversation if one person missed a penalty all those months yeah. ago. But and I'm not sure he'll feel much more pressure than he already was because he was 
an inexperienced manager who suddenly got the Man United job and everyone, including huge swathes of United fans, said that he, he couldn't do it and that he's not good enough to do it. Um, he's surpassed everyone's expectations, but you know, if, if you're going to be in this job, it's not enough. You do have to win stuff. Um, but I think the, the nice position we're in now is that if we don't win anything and they decide to move him on, we are in an infinitely better position than when he took over. You know, he, he has still done a huge amount of stuff because obviously, you know, Solskjaer doesn't buy the players, but he's improved a hell of a lot of players. And there is a happy team there now, whereas he inherited one of the most unhappy squads in the Premier League. It was the most unhappy squad that I've ever seen at United in my life. So we, we're in a position where if we don't win anything and he moves on, somebody can come in. Maybe they decide to go with somebody who's of a much higher calibre, a lot more experience, etc. And they've got almost a, a, a squad that should, in theory, be ready to win stuff. Potentially, we just it might it might need one signing, depending on who's left or whatever at the time. Obviously, Pogba's the big issue. So, what's your expectancy of Manchester United this season? And, that, and that's both in in competitions and the, the, the what month left that we've got in the transfer window. Do you, you know, where do you expect them to finish, and who, do you think there may need more deals to be done? Um, it sounds like we're now in a position where we need to sell before buying someone else, but but they are actively looking. Um, obviously, defensive midfield is the big one. It, it looks like Ruben Nevers has kind of emerged as as the main target there now. Uh, frustratingly, Wilfred Ndidi is the correct answer for that position and what we need, but he's just, we, we, you know, we can't, it'd be 80, 90 million. Um, we can't sort of do that again. Um, in terms of expectations, it's, we, we touched on it earlier with City, where you sort of watch what they're doing with Kane and Grealish and you think, well, that's that because I don't. If, if they do sign both of them, I, I I don't see us mounting a credible title challenge that actually ends with winning it. So that then leads you to you know the FA Cup. We tend to get very far almost every single time, and then come up against City. So if we can avoid them this time, then you know that that's something we can very feasibly win. He always seems to have always gone for the cups. We've never really put out a really weak team in a quarter-final or something, even at the FA Cup, we do seem to properly go for it. The Champions League for me, is... For me, the Champions League's huge... there. Yeah, for me, I mean... For me, if, if, cause the thing is, I think the key in the Champions League... However, we, we were having a conversation the other day... I don't know. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. I was having a conversation with a City fan. And we were talking about the Champions League pots. When you look at the Champions League pots for the draw, it is absolutely terrifying. But Liverpool and Man United are in the best pot, which is pot two, bizarrely, this time. Because when you think about who's won the leagues across Europe, you've got Lille have won a league, you've got Atletico Madrid have won a league, and that leaves the likes of PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid, um, Dortmund, Liverpool, Man City, uh, no, sorry, Man United are all in pot two, because Chelsea are in pot one, because they've won it. Villarreal are in pot one because they won the Europa League. So if Man United can get drawn in a group, obviously, you know, it feels like sod's law for both Liverpool and Man United fans that City end up with somebody from our pot that's, that's that, you know, one of the more average ones. And then you end up with, like, Man United or Liverpool end up with, um, you know, we still end up with Atletico or they, you know, whatever. But the key for me in the Champions League is winning your group. And Man United, I, I, like, I've never never done that recently. I mean, obviously, you know, you went out last season, but even under Mourinho, you always felt as if you just like sneak through. And when you, when you win the group, you end up in theory, I mean, it might be different this season because of the way the pots are. In theory, you end up with a, a nicer round of 16 time. Before you know it, you're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So for me, the Champions League is there for a team as good as Man United. Now, whether they're lacking a little bit of experience with the players that they've got, and obviously, you know, I know they went far in the Europa League last season, but it is a different competition. 
Um, you know, Liverpool, Man City now, um, Chelsea all have more experience in going deeper in the Champions League than this Man United squad do. But for me, that doesn't necessarily mean they can't do it. So what's your expectancy yeah, the... of Man United, Ben? You did... Sorry. For me? For me. Yeah, to, um, and, I, and, and, and to, just to add to that, you know, we, we, we spoke about Chelsea and their uprise last season and, and, and what they did. Is there a bit that, that that frightens you at Manchester United or concerns you? You're going into a top four race or a title challenge? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on Ewan's page, really. I don't think there's going to be much of a title challenge, even with Chelsea. Um, Chelsea are an interesting one. But obviously, you know, we had Louis on last week and he was saying that really they're still lacking a striker. And I agree because I don't think it's, you know, but I don't think they can afford to sit around and wait for Timo Werner to, to perhaps work out when Manchester City are buying Harry Kane. So I think they need to go out and sign Haaland, basically. Um for me, it's not about my expectations of Man United, but I think would constitute a good season for them. And, you know, without, while risking sounding like some sort of teacher whose pupil is, I'm set at target grade, um, for me, you know, Man United have to be within 10 points of Manchester City again. They have to go and reach a final of a domestic trophy because I, I am a little bit sympathetic with finals. Ewan's right. You can reach a final. And I think I think it's I think a fair expectation is to win a fi- to reach a final. Anything can happen in a final. It can go to penalties or whatever. Depends who you play. So I, I expect them to reach a final of a domestic cup. And then also I, I don't see any reason why they can't get to at least the quarterfinals, if not the semi-finals of the Champions League. And then again, it depends who you play. You can go on from there, and you can end up so you can find yourself in a final. Liverpool in two thousand eighteen. They were really exciting. They played a really good brand of football, but we played Porto and then we played Roma in the semi-finals. You know what I mean? We could have been playing Barcelona in the semis. We probably would have knocked us out over two legs that year. Um, so, so I think you know, depending on who you play, I think the Champions League there is there um, for for lots of teams. I don't think there's a clear favourite in Europe this season. Maybe Manchester City, um, but but I think that 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 potentially because of the sort of the the decline of some of the Spanish teams, Barcelona, Real Madrid aren't what they were. Bayern weren't as good last season, but still obviously a team to be feared. PSG can never seem to get anywhere near it. Um, so I think the Champions League is a very open competition this season. I think Man United might be able to take advantage of that, but I think Liverpool can as well. Gordon, you and do you agree with that? Yeah, I think my, my thoughts on the Champions League is that we've not been to the latter stages for a long time. We got to the quarterfinal in Mourinho, but we came up against a very good Barcelona team and we were obviously not going to win. And lo and behold, we didn't. Um, but We we beat the... them. <laughs> well, I'm very pleased with you. Um, but the, the difficult <laughs> thing for us in that is that if, if we if we were to get to the quarterfinal of the Champions League that and, and not win the league or the FA Cup, that would still feel very meh. That would feel like we've not done enough. But then just getting to the semi-final feels like such a drastically bigger achievement to be in the semi-final of the Champions League because you remember who's in the semi-final. You don't remember who's in the quarter-final. It doesn't matter. It's because they're such big really games. Like they're, they're just them. They're just such massive yeah. games. Everybody watches them. I feel like that's the point with the Champions League where people who are maybe neutrals really switch on. When you get to maybe the second leg of the quarters or the se- particular semis, they're just such massive games. And I, I remember that. I remember them so vividly where I watched them all for Liverpool. And I think that's what it is. It's just that occasion goes up a level and then obviously the final's in a separate entity of its own. The semi-finals as well is also, a, a, I think Ewan's right, it's not that much of a difference, but a semi-final strikes of um, progress, doesn't it? Or like you Yeah, know, if it getting, feels like getting, you've really achieved something. Yeah, you, yeah, you're getting close to something. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to have to wait and see what you do in the rest of the transfer window as well. Will you Will you shift a few players? Will Paul Pogba leave or will he just stay or will the media get on his back? PSG, I think, are the latest ones to be rumoured, aren't they? You and it that will be interested in, in buying him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it uh, seems like if he's going to go this year, it'd be PSG for about 50 million. But that nothing concrete has happened yet. And I, I'd rather he went now for that money, to be honest. Then we lose him for free for a second time because that's basically negligent at that point. Okay, and then PSG can unlock him, which is what we've been waiting for for the past three yeah. or four years. Genie um, Alden's the player. Genie Alden's going to unlock him. I'm telling you now, he's the guy. And, and Jordan Henderson when he goes there as well. <laughs> right, on that note, we're going to end the show. Um, yeah, uh, do and thank you very much. Sell Ross, be quiet. I know, yeah, sorry. Um, Ben, thank you very much to you and thank you very much. And obviously, thanks to Kendall who joined us earlier and then dropped out again. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Around the League goodness. We'll see you then. Ta-ra. <laughs>